0: Governor Newsom last week unveiled a just under $300 billion budget plan. And the the governor's budget in January when it's released kind of kicks off negotiations across the state um, with different stakeholders. Arguably, the legislature has a major role at this point in kind of haggling for their key project priorities. Um, Stakeholders like Western will be engaged in that, making sure that, you know, That We hopefully can get a few of the things that we need and want, but one of the biggest things that separates this year from every other year that Newsom's actually been a part of the budget, whether he was lieutenant governor or governor, is that we are now in a massive budget shortfall.
1: Hi, and welcome to Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo, and I'm the community field representative for Western United Dairies. Today, Anya Radabaugh, the CEO of Wood, will be on the podcast to give us an all-around update as to what Western United Dairies has going on. Also, there will be no market update for this episode, so we will catch up with Tiffany next week.
0: Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at Bennett
1: Environmental.com. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about
0: how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best in class
1: subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you
0: continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com.
1: So today we have on Anya Radabaugh, the CEO of Western United Dairies. How are you doing, Anya? I'm
0: fantastic. Thanks for asking.
1: We are going to just give kind of an overall update about what's been going on with Western United Dairies, starting with dairy leaders.
0: Yeah, we finally were really excited to welcome our program of training the the young uh, dairy leaders and just the industry groups that really are engaged in the future of the California dairy industry, we've had a a hiatus for much longer than we would have preferred. Our last class that we hosted was in 2019. And um, the poor dairy leaders have been kind of sitting on the sidelines since then because of COVID. We had two years of COVID. And then last year uh, we decided to put the program on hold. Well, one of our fantastic uh, dairy leaders, Anthony Aguida um, went ahead and won the national FFA championships. Um, So we, Made an exception and kicked everything into the spring of 2023. But uh, Mr. Sunshine, Paul Souza, uh, kicked off the the Dairy Leaders Experience this week by talking about everything environmental and how California dairy families are the most highly environmentally <laughs> regulated commodity anywhere in the world. And so um, I believe that you were there, uh, Allison. Yes. i I got to sit across from you the whole <laughs> the whole presentation. Was it helpful? Was it, was it engaging?
1: It was very helpful and engaging. All of the speakers spoke on different topics and covered different things. Um, I feel like it was pretty broad. So you had your air quality and your water quality and water quantity. And everything was talked about across the board from different aspects, which was really nice. Um, and all of the speakers did well with answering questions as well.
0: Yeah, and each of the speakers had their own unique take on the areas that they regulate. Um, I would say that all of them felt very strongly that their issue area was the most cataclysmic in the specter of environmental issues. Mm-hmm. But I'll remind dairy farmers, anybody that's listening, that we have to care um, about everything in the environmental sandbox in order to be permitted to process and and uh, market manufactured milk in California Um, The the, the Dairy Leaders this week actually kind of culminated in a really cool visit to a dairy, didn't it?
1: It did, yes. Uh, We went to go see a dairy digester, um, and it was actually where the central hub is in Merced. Uh, Cody Nunez from Moss Energy actually gave us a tour of it and took us through the hub and showed us how everything worked. And I think the most interesting part was definitely the control center to see how they control everything from the computer. It was really neat.
0: So you can't go screwing it up. You're meaning, you mean it's completely automated, right? Yes. <laughs> well, that's exciting. It was it was really fun to get together and see everyone again. We are going to be kicking off our media training for our Dairy Leaders class at the end of February. Um, and so anybody listening has any um, desire to learn more about our Dairy Leaders program, the environmental section is just one of the seminars that we host. We go on to talk about marketing our milk through CMAB and DMI We do intensive media training for anybody that wants to speak on behalf of the dairy or just be better spokesmen for their dairies in general. And then we also have um, a lobbying trip to Sacramento, um, an advocacy outreach trip, and one to Washington, D.C. and Chicago to visit DMI, um, the larger uh, national checkoff. So um, it's a really fun program, and I'm really excited that you get to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. I'm excited too. I'm especially excited to go to Washington DC and Chicago. I think it'll be really cool to see that side of things.
0: Exciting stuff. It's going to be fun. So. Definitely.
1: So do you want to talk a little bit about a state budget update? I know that you and Jason have spoke a little bit about that. Um, if you wanted to update our producers.
0: Yeah. The, the state budget update this year is a much different tenor than it was last year. Um, Governor Newsom last week unveiled a just under $300 billion budget plan and the the governor's budget in January when it's released kind of kicks off negotiations across the state, um, with different stakeholders. Arguably the legislature has a major role at this point in kind of haggling for their key project priorities and Mm -hmm. stakeholders like Western will be engaged in that, making sure that, you know. that we hopefully can get a few of the things that we need and want. But one of the biggest things that separates this year from every other year that Newsom's actually been a part of the budget, whether he was Lieutenant Governor or Governor, is that we are now in a massive budget shortfall. Um, There's a lot of reasons, but generally the state is headed into a recession along with the rest of the United States. And so we're looking at $22.5 billion of a shortfall. And the governor I think through his um, engagement with his predecessor, Jerry Brown is refusing to give the rainy day fund, uh, budget. He, d- he does not want to invade the principal in any way, shape or form on the rainy day fund. And so he is ensuring that, th- that this stark contrast in his budget really reflects these declining budget revenues. And uh, just given the state's reliance on capital gains um, taxes and, you know, those are directly tied to housing and stock market conditions. It's no wonder that we're, we're kind of looking at a shortfall. And so I think that, you know, the the governor and his team avoided major cuts to core programs like dairy methane, for example. Um, But he also increased a lot of funding for some of those fresh and locally grown uh, dairy product programs that we've mentioned on this podcast. Um, There is a huge initiative by the governor and the first partner to maintain you know, really high reliance on locally grown um, and fresh products. And so we will see um, as he protects that priority, you know, where other areas start to um, suffer. And um, there's certainly, I think, much louder stakeholders than than Western is um, that are really, Concerned about transit cuts, I would say that overall, the biggest hit that the, that the budget took was to um, large urban transit projects that I cannot tell if it's right now, but that means high speed rail is included in that. I know um, some of our listeners would be overjoyed to hear that news. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But generally speaking, these transit projects that were cut were, you know, light rail improvements to bar improvements to, um, just public utility corridors. And so I have a full expectation that some of those urban led legislators are absolutely going to push back on that. So, but this is, that's, this is how the sausage is made. You know, everybody's, everybody gets a present under the Christmas tree and sometimes you have to work really, really hard to get that present. Um, so uh, you know, there are a lot of new priority programs such as LaneFlex that we've we've talked about a lot that showed up last year in a surplus. And so kind of figuring out how we keep those significant accomplishments um, relevant in a really tough budget cycle um, will have to play out.
1: Do you guys have any plans as to how you guys are going to push to keep money coming towards this area?
0: Yeah. Well, we've, um, so generally speaking in our advocacy space, um, I've talked a lot about the, um, permanent retainer now that we have, uh, Amy Myrtle Miller, who's our in-house nutritionist now. Uh, she is in the Capitol, um, advocating very heavily, which I believe contributed to some of the increased access to fresh and locally grown dairy products in the past. I think that that's going to really help maintain high levels of dairy consumption. And uh, in fact, there was Um, a hit piece that if anybody's really interested in in learning about all about our advocacy last year and um, the fact that we turned a a vegan bill into a increased dairy and beef consumption bill um, wasn't unnoticed by the um, anti-animal ag activists so um, they're certainly going to be raising those concerns but that's why you have an educator in this space someone that has just esteemed credentials to make sure that We can balance this conversation with solid science, solid nutritional information. So that's plan one is to keep dairy consumption very high, maintain Mm -hmm. fluid milk purchases and chocolate milk purchases in uh, the school lunch program along with the free and reduced lunch programs in WIC, um, and other other areas like that. So that's step one. Um, The other things, it, it is probably going to be at the mercy of DWR. So Mm -hmm. the Department of Water Resources in the area of land flex, drought, floods, has been critically important to this governor. They have a wonderful team there, and it really kind of comes down to what the director at EWR sees as a high priority. And so, frankly, if we have, um, I know you're on the younger end of, of life here, but in 1997, we had a catastrophe in California where we had this super heavy snowpack, not unlike what we have today. And Mm -hmm. in April, a series of warm storms called the pineapple express came and took all that snow down at once. And so I would imagine if I'm DWR, I'm sweating a little bit, kind of hoping that something like that doesn't happen because the flood infrastructure, as was just demonstrated the last month is not up to par. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, you know, there, were, there, there was quite a loss of life up in Northern California. So we'll have to see how they balance drought priority next to very intensive snowpack flood priorities. And I, I hope that there is a tremendous amount of pressure um, coming from every corner of the universe right now to recharge. There's some separate challenges in that space, but I believe that DWR is using this opportunity as much as they can to not just store water underground, expedite permits to store water underground, um, but they're also looking for active partners to recharge. And so Mm -hmm. despite what um, people at the Regional Water Board might have to say about this, we are trying to make sure that the water budget in this massive aquifer that we call home in the valley actually has some recharge benefits. So we'll see. Yeah, lots of... Um, lots of offensive plans um, that, that have to be made. I, I think I've talked about how I hate playing defense. It's like a pet peeve that I have in Sacramento. So I'm already trying to set the stage for a number of um, soft landings on some of these things. But you do have to be practical. And if you go up to the, to the legislature with a typical ask of, like, here's 25 things that we can't afford to live without, you're going to get laughed right off the stage. So mm-hmm. you just you really got to stick to one thing that you know you can't live without.
1: Got it. Yeah. A lot of information there. Um do you want to talk a little bit about the World Ag Expo and the schedule that we have planned for members?
0: Yes, I'm really excited. Um <clears throat> last year was the first kind of, you know, re rebag, you know, kickstart coming back from pandemic, so we were so happy to see hundreds of our members at the World Ag Expo. I'm hoping this year is a similar experience. I'm hoping the weather will hold. Usually people, well, farmers can always be counted on if it's raining to come out to the World Ag Expo because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> um, but I think that if it's really frigid cold, um, that tends to keep a lot of the vendors kind of down. So um, generally speaking, those of us that have been kind of following Western's engagement in these seminars slash Convention space recognized that in 2019, um, I made a decision with our board to basically double down efforts at the World Ag Expo, um, given the enormous expense that it is to um, be a vendor there. But instead of hosting a convention every year, we would just host a massive booth at the World Ag Expo. Um, Most of our members go. It's it's a really good opportunity if you happen to be in the in the boat if I've ever been to the World Diet Expo, there is something for everyone. The food is phenomenal. Can't can't mm-hmm. go without saying on that. But we have a really good schedule um, on all three days. So the World Diet Expo starts on February fourteenth, goes through the fifteenth and sixteenth of February. Um, take your Valentine because on Tuesday, we're going to have free legal advice with Tony Raimondo almost all day that day. You'll also get to uh, stop by the booth towards the end of the day on Tuesday and chat with me. You can chat, you can yell, you can convince, you can laugh. Um, We're always in a a good mood there. And also on Tuesday at 11 a.m., I will be hosting a LandFlex seminar for growers um, along with my colleague, Aubrey Betancourt with the All in Alliance of California. So that'll be at 11 a.m. in the seminar area um, on Tuesday the 14th. But generally speaking, uh, don't miss this opportunity to hit Tony Raimondo up with any of your legal questions. Um, those of you who have taken advantage of him being at the World Ag Expo before, Ag- Expo before know how valuable that, the, I mean, hours of his time literally standing in front of you. None of it's a charge to, to our members. So please stop by. Get some of that free legal advice. And then on Wednesday, uh, Paul Souza will be there. You can, And so will Tiffany Lamedola, our economist. Um, lacheros Unidos will be there. They will be out there talking about how we handle hiring practices for milkers. So if any dairy farmers want to know more about lacheros, dairy economics, or dairy environmental issues, um, all three of those guys are going to be there on, on Wednesday. And then wrapping up on Thursday, uh, again, we'll have another session with Tiffany Lamandola and Paul Souza. So these are being published in our update. If you're not sure um, about what day or time, you're, you can really go to the World Ag Expo. Take a look at our update because from now through that week in February, we'll be, we will be publishing our schedule. Um, and oh, before I forget, we are at booth number 6503 and 6603. It is an end cap in the Farm Credit Dairy Center you can't miss us. And we have free gifts um, for our members. So bring your family, stop by, because we certainly would love to see you and hear about, you know, things that you like Western's doing things that you want to see more of. um, Or I'm always happy to take a kicking if that's what you want to give me. So yeah, (laughs) we're, we're really excited to see everybody in just a couple weeks here.
1: Yeah, it'll be nice to see everyone's faces. I've been communicating with a lot of people through uh, the phone and email, so it'll be nice to finally see people in person.
0: Yeah, and it, there's a lot of just, it's it's so nice to reconnect with family and friends, and you see so many people at the World Ag Expo. It's kind of, I'm just horrified that we didn't think of it sooner, because the last five, uh, this will be our fourth year doing it, I think. Um at this scale, and I just I can't say enough about the ROI. Um, as a membership made trade association, um, getting to talk to all our members in one place um, is is fantastic.
1: Definitely. All right Anya. Well, is there anything else you would like to leave the producers with before we wrap up this episode? No, I think you know stay in the
0: know. Definitely reach out to Allison or anyone on our team or even me if you have more questions. We we did have um, a good GSA. A seminar last week on landflex the grower seminar will likely be done at the world ag expo but we may have one in advance of that will help people understand the sigma data viewer help answer some of the lingering questions about this voluntary program that dwr is trying to implement to bring people into um, a little bit of a faster sigma compliance space um, mm-hmm. so keep your eyes and ears open for that and i hope everybody has a great weekend
1: all righty, well, thank you, Anya, for taking the time to come on the podcast. Have a great day.
0: Pacific Gas & Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe.
1: Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As always, thank you for listening to the episode today. And if you would like to get notified when a new episode releases, subscribe to the show. Everyone have a great week. Thank you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors. The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support.